Well, guys, today um, we have somebody that's going to bring the word and encourage us and stir us up. And I call him Mr. King, but he's one of our leaders here at Men's Reload. Would you give a warm welcome to Mr. Mike King as he comes to bring the message this morning? In Jesus' name, yes. Thank you. I can never say this enough. Um, all praise to God. Thank you for this ministry. Man, I was 17 years old when I came here, and I sat back at that table, and I had a notebook, and I would fill that thing up with all these notes that I'd hear all these guys sharing about their lives, about their marriage, about their relationship with their wives and their kids. Because I just wanted to be the best father I could be. I wanted to be the best man I could be. I wanted to be the best husband that I could be. And, and God was placing me here to hear from those men. Because some of you may know my story. Some of you may not. Um, my dad wasn't in my life. Uh, but God brought other men like Pastor Tom, like Pastor Bernie, and so many others into my life to walk alongside with me and share with me and just to glean all that information and sow all that good seed in me. So today I, I stand here um, only because of what God has done uh, and all the parts that all these different men, some named, some unnamed, uh, have, have just blessed me with their time and with their wisdom. So I can only pay that forward. Uh, so today I want to talk to you guys about uh, something that God has really been um, working on me in, and I'm hoping I can get through this. Uh, we're going to take two weeks to go through this because it's something that uh, needs, uh, it needs that much time. There needs to be a little bit of a setup, and then uh, there needs to be just some discussion among us. Uh, so... We're going to talk about legacy. Uh, there's all different ages in here. Uh, if I were to guess, I'd guess there's three generations in here. Uh, there's the younger generation, right? So I don't know who the youngest person in here. Maybe there's someone in here that's 17, 18 years old. Okay, that's that generation. Then there's my generation, right? I'll be uh, 43 this year in December, praise God. And then there's the older generation. Um, so it's amazing that we have all these generations represented in here, and there's so much to learn from each of these generations. And the, all these men are going through different things, right? That first generation, they're, they're coming into a season that I've been through, and I've got stuff that I can speak to them about, and I get to pour into them and, and help them avoid certain pitfalls and think about... Uh, things that come up during those those seasons and then there's the other guys that are on the other end of things that can help my generation uh, because they've been through that and now they're speaking into my life and pointing at those things and like hey you might want to think about this you should look at this so uh, I've got a slide here right so this is something that um the Holy Spirit just dropped in me when I was thinking about legacy. Uh, I mean, I'm only going to be 43, but still I was like, what, 
what do, what do I want to, like, if I were to die tomorrow, what would I want people to say to me? Like, what would be the effects of that? And I don't even know how, like, I got thinking about that. But God said to me, he said, you know, a godly legacy is not about what you leave for someone, but what you leave in them. And I can't stress how important that is. And God began to, like, show me over my life all the people, all the men, all the people he placed in my life that had poured those things into me, right? And some of them are no longer here anymore. But those, those, those things that they poured into me continue to carry on. Uh, and we see that in God's word. So I'm just going to read this. It's Matthew 3, uh, and it starts in verse 13. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then immediately the scene changes, and it carries over to Matthew 4, and we find Jesus goes out into the wilderness and it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he, Jesus, answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, don't miss this. I've read this, I don't know how many times until the Holy Spirit highlighted this to me. Jesus said, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What was the word that Jesus had just last heard? Yeah, exactly. He had just heard from his father, when he was baptized, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. It was a statement of identity. It was a statement of manhood. God was bestowing manhood on Jesus. Um, so I have a question for you. When did you become a man? So let's take uh, two or three minutes and go around the table and uh, share that with your table, that question. When did you become a man? Go. All right, all right. Hopefully you guys uh, had a little bit of a good brief discussion here. Uh, so there were, yeah, some good answers at our table. Um, you know, the ones that I have on the list here, I ask this question all the time to guys because I'm just always curious. And these are some of the answers that I've gotten before. You know, smoke your first cigarette, drank my first beer, went through puberty, had sex for the first time, could pay my own bills, got my first fist fight, turned 18, turned 21, joined the military, voted for the first time. You know, it's, it's interesting to think about that. Um, okay, yeah, it didn't show up on there. The formatting didn't work, but that's okay. Um, and some guys answer, they don't know. They don't know when they became a man. You know, my own story, 
uh, is interesting. I, you know, my dad, who wasn't in my life all the time, but I do remember this one time he came back uh, and we were riding in his truck and I was telling him about this girlfriend I had. I was like in eighth grade and uh, he, uh, he was like, he just kind of looked at me with this look on his face like, what are you doing? And he's like, you need to get out in the world. He's like, there are so many beautiful women in the world. And, and being older and thinking back on this, this goes to show like how wounded he was in his perception um, of things and what the devil had, had done to him. Uh, and he told me, he's like, well, when you turn, uh, I want to say it was 16. When you turn 16, I'm going to take you to a brothel in Nevada, and we're going to make a man out of you, right? Uh, so that was the seed being planted in my life uh, that told me that's when you became a man. And I didn't, I don't know if I realized that at the time, the words that were spoken over me, but that's exactly the path that I went down, and uh, I was very promiscuous. Um, and I thought that I was being a man. So the question is, why in Western society specifically uh, is there no clear marker of the transition from boy to man? No pathway, exactly. We're just left to figure it out on our own, to wander. And think of, I mean, I, I can't speak for you guys, but I think of my life and all, even though God placed all these men in my life that helped me tremendously, still all of the debauchery and the stuff I did that now that I'm older looking back, man, if I could have not experienced that in life, the relationships, the um, all the wounds, all the the side effects of all of those things, how, how it would have been different, not only for my life, but all the people that I came in contact with, all the people, all the girlfriends that I had, all the brothers that I had growing up through various sports and stuff, uh, just the effects of those people um, that I was sharing, whether I knew it or not, those things uh, with. So the sad fact is that manhood has been slowly eroded uh, from our culture. And I just want to walk you through some things here. Um, we're going to do, I guess, a brief history lesson uh, this week and talk about a couple of these things. And then next week, uh, we're going to get into the real practicalness of leaving a legacy in somebody. I'm sure we all have children in here. And if you don't, maybe you have grandchildren. It doesn't matter what stage of life that you're in you can take these things and implement them into your life and really leave a legacy in somebody uh, that will change their life. Uh, so America became, became, was founded and be, as was started as an agricultural nation, right? And this is important because sons work the farm uh, with their fathers. Me and my wife, we were, uh, just got back from a trip. We were in Nashville. Uh, she wanted to, she loves history, so uh, while I was working, she stopped, and we homeschooled our daughter, and uh, took her to this house. It was like over 200 years old, and she went on this tour, and she came back, and she was telling me this, um, but she was like, just think about that. When the war was over, I think it was the Civil War, 
right? If you wanted to go west, you literally uh, got a certificate from the government and you went west and you found land that you thought you liked and then you went and you found the person in that city. Uh, I can't think of their official name, but they did the maps and all that. And you went to them. Yeah, the surveyor, thank you. And you said, okay, I want this land to be my land. And they would give you that land. And then it was yours. 60 acres, 100 acres, it was yours. And then you worked it. And you were responsible for it. And you would have a family that would help you. So sons got to work side by sides with their dads and learn character, learn what it's like to work, learn directly from their dad, see how dad interacts with the neighbors, see how, what it's like going into town with dad to get the supplies and how he negotiates and, and all those types of life skills and how dad dealt with problems. And then we had this next revolution, the industrial revolution, which pulled men off of the farms and into factories. So now they were out of their house eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, maybe 14 hours a day. And kids were spending the majority of time with mother. Not that that's a bad thing, but it was a change. So when dad came home, sons and families typically got the leftovers, right? Dad's tired from working all day. He's coming back. You know, he wants to rest or maybe he's got chores to do around the farm, uh, you know, it was just different priorities. And then from the factories, we had the world wars, which took men out of their homes for hours at a time for months, sometimes years. And then now you had these fathers coming back after years of war in the stuff that they had witnessed and they had seen, right? Talk about the emotional trauma the mental anguish, and they're coming back. And now dad is in the home physically, but maybe dad ain't there mentally. Maybe dad ain't there emotionally. And the toll that that has on that generation of kids that are growing up, that are now not connecting even less with their fathers, right? Not, to, uh, not even to mention maybe some of the abuse that they experienced as dad dealt with the horrible side effects of, of mankind going to war. Okay, and then that led us into the woman's movement, right? Some people call it feminism, whatever label you want to put on, but men couldn't show up for a number of reasons. Not saying that that's good, not saying that that's bad, that's just the reality. Women acknowledged that, they accepted the challenge and said, okay, I'm going to step up. At this time, I'm going to do what it takes to keep the family unit together, to keep it going, to keep it thriving until things can return to normal. So they rolled up their sleeves. They went to work. They did what they had to do. But then the devil works his fingers in there and takes things and likes to corrupt them. And then all of a sudden this belief started to spring up that men weren't needed. Women could do everything. You don't have a purpose. What do we need you for? We've got this. And then you had this next generation that I just labeled the boys, right? Here, fatherlessness is growing at a record rate. Manhood is being outsourced. It's being outsourced to entertainment, to TV, to the boys in the neighborhood. 
These conversations aren't going on inside of the home. I like this last point, right? Uh, this speaks well about my generation, right? Your Facebook friends. Everyone knows about me, but no one really knows me. And then now we have a generation I call the confused, right? Society's telling boys that there is no difference between men and women. They're even going as far as saying there's no such thing as a man. Your identity is whatever you want it to be on any given day. And I think this picture is fitting because here we've got a grown man dressed up as a dog. And you can see the look in this woman's face. I don't know if that's his wife or not. But on this day, he wants to be a dog. And he wants the woman to treat him and to walk him like a dog, which I find is very, very interesting. But this is all a consequence of this slow erosion of manhood throughout our culture. So here are some of the results. Boys and men are confused. Anybody can see that. There's no real marker of true manhood in our society. 75% of all suicides in America are men. The number one killer of all men is depression. Think about that. It's not heart disease. It's not cancer. It's not accidents. It's depression. Fatherlessness is at an all-time high. You know, these stats are old. I think they're like from uh, not the last census, but the census before. It was one in four children live without a father in their home. That's 18.4 million children. That's crazy. So next uh, discussion question here. We're going to take a couple minutes. What does manhood look like today? So maybe that's for you, maybe that's what society tells you, whatever, whatever direction your table wants to go in. But that's the question we're gonna talk about for a couple minutes. What does manhood look like today? All right, let's, uh, let's bring it in here for the last couple minutes and wrap this up for this week. Hopefully the discussion at your table was, was lively and good. All right, where, where do we go from here? Um, I think this is where we start to go. Leaving a legacy that lasts means you need to be a strategic father. It takes intentionality. So this is super important. We're going to dive into this more uh, next week um, and practically what this looks like with examples for you guys. And hopefully you have a plan that whether you have a father, a daughter, a grandson, a granddaughter, uh, that you have an idea in a framework that you can take back to your own household and decide, that's pretty cool. I want to welcome my son or my grandson into manhood, or I want to help welcome my daughter or my granddaughter into uh, womanhood. Because the truth is, is Manhood can only be bestowed from one man to another. Womanhood can only be bestowed from one woman to another. But this is like if you don't know, you don't know. Uh, and for the greater part of my life, I didn't know this stuff um, until it was shared with me. And now I'm here sharing it with you guys. Uh, so the first thing, 
um, being a strategic father means uh, you're equipping your kids with the most important ways of life. What principles do you want your kids to know? What values do you want them to have? What character uh, do you want them to carry? And you got to think about that stuff. I mean, you actually have to stop and think about it and be intentional. Two, uh, strategic father is going to anticipate what they need for each phase of their life. They're going to need different things when they're a toddler. They're going to need different things when they're an adolescent, when they're a teenager, and then when they're a young married man or a young adult um, in marriage. And like I said before, hopefully you've been through those things and you can look back and you can help them avoid certain pitfalls in your life. You know, uh, my son. Uh, it's interesting, uh, me and Pastor Bernie were just talking about this. My son is not my son by blood. He's my stepson, um, but I never use those words uh, with him. But he came into my life when he was seven, and he's never known his own dad. And I knew this conversation was going to come up. And I had been praying and talking to God because like, I just knew it. And when he got to be about 16, 17 years old, sure enough, here it came. Why doesn't my dad want anything to do with me and to be a father that's been through that himself and to ask those exact same questions myself it was extremely powerful to just have him ask me that and then to step back ask God what he wanted me to do with that and have him lead me and direct direct me in this conversation with my son and to make a long story short just to reaffirm my son that even if he reaches out to his real dad and his dad wants nothing to do with him, that doesn't change who he is in God's eyes, who he is in my eyes, and who he is in his mother's eyes. The third thing, a strategic father is a boy's future. And we see this, right? Dad is always and will be a powerful figure in a son's life. And this goes just the same for daughters as well. Proverbs 17.6, the glory of the sons is their fathers. And then one last thing, uh, a good mentor of mine, Bob Vanderpool, he always told me, and I always think back to this in your house, more is caught than is taught. Your kids only care so much about what you tell them. They want to see what you're actually doing. And I think that um, going back to, you know, my son and my experience with him, like all, like all children, right, you start to go off in your own direction. Uh, and sometimes that direction isn't the direction that you would want your kids to go off to. Um, but I think that one of the things that made a profound difference in me and my son's relationship on uh, the man that he's grown up to become is that, I didn't just try to talk to him and tell him these things. I tried to live them out. So he would see me reading my Bible. He would see me on my knees praying to God. He would see me pursuing my relationship with God and being involved in other things. And I think that was extremely important. So um, 
We're going to wrap it up here. We got about, a, I guess, a minute left. If you got to go, go. If you can continue to have a discussion at your tables, um, do that. But next week, we're going to dive into this, like I said, practically and walk through some steps uh, and hopefully give you guys some direction that I think will make some profound difference in uh, your lives and the lives uh, of your kids or your grandkids. Because it doesn't matter. Um, it's never too late to take an active part in this. It doesn't matter if they're out of the house already. Uh, as I'll share next week, this is, literally is life-changing. And God is inviting us in to have a part in that and what he wants to do in our kids and in our grandkids. So let me just pray us out here and we can go. Lord, we just thought, we thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for these men that you've called here uh, to hear these words, Lord. And I just pray that these words uh, would not just be words, Lord, um, but that they would start to stir in our heart, Lord, and that you would take them uh, and that we would walk them out, Lord, that we would be men who don't just hear the word, but we would be men of action and that move and that do things with those words, with the things that you're telling us, Lord, that we would listen to your voice, Lord, and we would be obedient to the things that you have for us, Lord. I pray a blessing over all the men here, all the families represented here, no matter what they're going through, no matter uh, where they're at in their journey, Lord. We know that the bottom line is we are all your children, Lord. We are all your children, all your sons, Lord, and you love us and you care for us, Father God, and you're calling us in a deeper relationship with you. And some of us here, you're calling us into manhood. You're calling us into greater responsibility, Lord, whatever that looks like. So just be with these men. Bless the work of their hands, Lord. Keep their families safe, Lord. Keep their children safe, safe emotionally, safe physically, safe mentally, safe sexually, Father God. And just be with them as they go from here, Lord. And I just pray that uh, we would bring honor and glory to your name in the things that we say and the things that we do. In Jesus' name I pray.